in order to reach more people with my message, which is that exercise is really important for us for long-term health, I need many ways to communicate this message. It's not just a one-size-fits-all. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. Welcome to the decision table. Back to it, Michelle. What's another day on the decision table? But you know what? I thought today it would be so relevant having our conversation because you know how important it is for me with movement and the physical. And I think you know that the lens this month is all around the importance of the muscle of human intelligence. And, you know, human intelligence is the data that we have within us. And that comes from our brain. It comes from our movement. It comes from our emotions. It comes from so much, right? Whether it's our environment, it's still the data that is being put through us and then our output later. But, and I think that something that's really important in your world is movement. And Correct. I would love to talk more about that today. Well, I would love to talk about that as well. So you always you. like to talk about that. <laughs> I do. Yeah, again, thank you for asking me. I, <laughs> movement is really important, I think, in everyone's lives. I was going to say in my life, but I think actually it's important for everyone. It was only recently when I was reading a book by the same author that I sent to you mm. at Christmas time, but they were talking about how, uh, how our brains are able to grow with exercise. And I kind of, I mean, I didn't know that because that's been a, a myth that from our childhood that's been was broken some time ago. But it wasn't until I read this book that it started to really sink in <laughs> that, that actually, you know, our brains, we aren't stuck with one intelligence. Like we're not stuck. The whole, there's almost these IQ tests and things like that. I think they're almost done us a disservice because you, if you ever, when we were at school, at least when I was at school, we were put through that sort of rigorous. We, we had to go and have an IQ test in grade nine or 10. And that was like then a stamp. This is, the box you're going to be in for the rest of your life. But the reality is actually we can change our brains out all of the time by what we do, whether it's the food that we eat and the way we think, but definitely exercise also. The science has now proven, but only in the last decade or two, that our brains grow, that we grow new neural pathways and all these other things happen. Don't, I can't remember all the science. But all these amazing actual physical things, not just the chemical dopamines and things that make us feel good, but all these physical changes are actually happening and we are getting smarter when we exercise. So I went, ah, we should all just do more exercise. <laughs> so give us, give us an idea of how we're getting smarter. Like give us just one, one place. How does movement help us to be smarter? I, and I get the dopamine and all that side of it. That's kind of the thing that everyone always talks about, right, when yeah. it comes to movement and things like that. But there's so much more to it, like you're saying. So, for example, if I can remember this example from the book or from one of the books I've read recently, there was a school in America that was a pretty average school, in fact, probably below average how they were performing. And this is a longitudinal study, so it's not just something that was done over a short period. And a PE teacher went in and he had this whole revolutionary idea that if the children did some exercise each day, first thing mm. in the morning, but not just go run laps and not just go, you know, do the things that we can remember at school, anyone who didn't like PE, you know, PE, like, oh, yes. <laughs> don't want to do that. That's, you know, and unless you were really good at it, it was really debasing. It was like because it was mm. uh, quite a competitive environment. But what they did was turn it into more a heart rate. So what you had to do is was an individual thing based on your heart rate. So you had to just keep your heart rate at a particular rate in these exercises that they had wow, to do. Wow, your heart morning. rate at a particular rate. Well, whatever their rate was, it would be particular <laughs> for them based on their they do 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 a little bit of say I've just been for a run. I have no oxygen, and I've just and I've just been for that major walk. <laughs> so negatively proving that if you go for a run, you'll get smarter. Actually, 
<laughs> just after I maybe. Yeah, and and I'm thinking that it's not making me smarter. It's making me more like, <laughs> There are reasons for that too. However, the point was everybody, oh, sorry, yes. they were all competing against themselves. Like it wasn't a competition in the yeah. old-fashioned set. So your aim was to stay within a particular heart rate and whatever the ex- – it could have been running around track, could have been – doesn't really matter. The idea was that they stayed in a particular heart rate. So they all wore heart rate chest monitors. monitors. Yeah. Yeah, so just a little strap around it. Then they had to go and log it. To log out of PE, they had to go and log this information the computer. And then the computer is a bit like gamification stuff that we're yeah. aware of in our worlds. So they got positive feedback for staying within that kind of thing. So these kids did it for all of their, you know, four years at high school. And when they compared the results of generally in life for these kids, not just yeah. academically, but definitely academically, but <laughs> generally in life, much better outcomes for what they went on and, and did as adults. They were more confident with who they were, what they were doing, how they were responding <clears> to things, when there were challenges that came along their way, all sorts of things, right? Like I remember reading a lot around that. So interesting. Here's the interesting thing too. I think that there's a, an interesting concept around the short-term, long-term. You know, I think there's people who find short-term things really easy and they're often sprinters. Like I've got this theory around it, like seriously, they're good at sprinting. And then there's people who are really good at the long-term thing. And I find they're the ones that, now maybe I'm totally wrong on this, but I do find that they are good at things like the long distance, the longevity, the working at things that, you know, often we want this gratification straight away. We want the result. We want to be told, you know, like, hey, if I do this workout, then I'm sure I'm going to lose about 20 pounds, you know, like overnight. It's just magic. And so lots of people give up because they are that short-term concept or like, you know, they can function in small doses, but if I have to stick at this, I'm not very good at that. How do we do that as a longevity thing versus, yep, this sounds great, love it in theory, know that movement helps us, but we get busy. Life is busy. Business is busy. Children, whatever it is, is busy, right? It is, but ultimately if you are not looking after yourself, and I believe movement is at the core of that. Food, yeah. obviously, as well, because that nutrition and things, they're, they're kind of equal, but you won't have a life. Like mm-hmm. You have to kind of develop some mantras that work for you that do you want to be there for your kids when they have kids? Do you want to do you want to be able to get up that flight of stairs without puffing so much that, you know, you have to stop halfway up? I mean, we've got one life as far as I know. I don't know. and why why do it half assed <laughs> so why yeah why it doesn't make any sense to me it's illogical to live a life that is not the best life you can and it's one thing to be chasing your financial and business goals but if physically you can't enjoy the rewards even so say if you do go and make a billion dollar business if you physically then are really unwell how is that like so many do it though. So, <laughs> so even though we know it makes sense, mm. it's often when a crisis happens that mm. someone goes, oh, now I'm going to be happy or now I'm going to do this or change my ways. How can we get it to a point that this becomes just as important as your bottom line? Um, some of it I think is education. I think mm. I like understanding, the, like reading some of the books and, and educating yourself, you know, with what, what modern life has done to us. We've talked about this, you and I, in the past, that human evolution or whatever, we've been around for however many thousands of years, but the yeah. modern life that we live not now. Not me is, personally, but our culture, yes, our so not human race. Me, I'm older than you. <laughs> not quite that much older, although not I do quite. push that you are older than me. <laughs> I don't care. I'm proud of it. <laughs> yeah. So, and um, stop saying that. I just heard someone say I can hear it. Yeah, but she looks so much younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Exactly. It's anyway. all very relative, which is really this point. It's very yeah. relative. Yeah. So human evolution, like we've been as we are in a, the way we are, our uh, bodies are physically and our mm. brains physically the way they are now, been like that for many, many years and we do evolve, but evolution is very, very slow actually in some ways, although I have heard some opposite things. However, uh, the way we live well, there's things that can trigger it to life. speed it up, probably, right? Oh, uh, yes, 
definitely. However, we still have this, what we have now, like the Mm. normal human brain and our bodies and the way they work. But we've been. By the way, Michelle, I've never been told that my brain was normal. Just thought I'd put that in there. (laughs) No, your brain is not normal. (laughs) I can attest to that after four years. (laughs) Thanks. Where did I put myself out that one? Anyway, sorry, what sorry I'm for trying, interrupting. Yes, what were you what trying, I'm to trying to say? Yeah, <laughs> is that the modern life that we live, the way we live now, which is what I think has contributed to the point that you're trying to make, and that why don't people prioritize their physical yeah. and mental health more above the other goals they're trying to achieve in their lives, or not goals? Like I, or even say, just make it as priority right? as your bottom line, right? And like it's they just it's, go to work. And that's it. And it's because we've put ourselves in these boxes. We can call them houses. We can call them offices, whatever. And and everything's just easy because, you know, they talk about Mm. our monkey brain or whatever. Yeah. At the moment, because our world is quite easy in in the Western Mm. world, we can just sit around and our bodies are going, oh, this is great. We better just chill for a while because any minute now, catastrophe will happen, you know, a saber-toothed tiger will come and chase us or whatever. So while we need to chill and we need mm-hmm. to, you know, collect all of the energy, like the animals in who hibernate in winter, we need yeah. to do all that. But our hibernating in winter is like all our lives for some people. I was going to say, that's just like, you know, 60 years, 70 years of, you know, whatever it is, 90 years on this earth. Some exactly. people just hibernate. Imagine that, hibernating all your life oh. when you could live life. Well, all they do is watch television, go to work, watch television, go to work. But for some, they just, I mean, that is life too then. And I think, you know, beyond how you do it or the need to do it, I think you miss out on so much when you don't prioritize movement. Like I went out for my walk today because you know that I, I've sort of been, you know, I've set myself to do a 10K and then I am uh, almost smashed the 10K this morning. What did I do? Eight something Ks. Yep. But, you know, and that was really actually quite easy for me considering I that. I you to Strava yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> so true. You and you're already going. Well, I'm <laughs> a results-orientated person. And so I didn't realize it was in miles. In fact, until I got home and then you brought it to my attention too. And, and I was like, oh, let me just swap that over. Oh, look, I have done not five <laughs> miles. I've done eight point. Oh, I've got to find out. What was it? Eight points. Yeah, really excited yeah, 8.38 Ks actually. But, you know, for me, that's fun. Like that's like putting a, like, you know me, I like to have a bit of a challenge, yeah, around something. It's like that mental challenge that is a physical challenge in combining those two things together because often it, the reason I haven't got to the next level is because my head's not been in the game. I've not made a decision and gone, hey, this is what I'm really about. I've kind of hesitated or sat on the edge and usually when I sit on the edge, it never gets done because I haven't actually committed to it. But as soon as I do, you know me, I'm like totally sold out for it. I know not everyone thinks like that, but I have to say in my morning walk this morning, you know, I was able to to do two meetings, catch up on an amazing call with a friend and colleague, and then I got home, jumped on the bike and then rode to school to drop my daughter off and then back. Might have stopped by Bobby's shop to get a coconut chai and a yummy wrap for breakfast because I was so hungry after all of that. But there was like I got a sunrise. I got to smell fresh air. I reminded myself how grateful I am that I can actually walk after being told I'd never walk again. Like these were things that I would have missed out if I hadn't have taken that time. So beyond the fact that it was actually doing, you know, physically good stuff and probably ticking my brain over at a better speed because it was getting everything moving and flowing throughout the body, the mental side of it I think is just unbelievable and I know that when I'm not moving and it was one of the toughest things when I ended up in a wheelchair was not the fact that I was in a wheelchair not the fact that my whole world had just turned overnight into something totally different it was the fact I couldn't move Mm. that was so hard for me mentally mentally yeah where does it come from? What's that about? About how your brain was very unhappy that you couldn't move. It was probably yeah. maybe it is, if you tie it back into that 
monkey brain thing that we were talking about before. It's, can you imagine if, you know, we were, you know, 3,000 years ago? I should get my timelines correct, but a long time ago, then and you couldn't move. Then your yeah. life is like yeah. you either would have to rely on your clan or your family to drag you around everywhere or you just, that's it. <laughs> Like that would just. But I remember, I remember sitting on the edge of my bed and literally not being able to move, except for I could bum shuffle. Uh, I don't know if you're meant to say bum, but I'm saying bum. Bum shuffle, right? Like you got off the bed, and I used my arms to move to be able to then pull myself up onto a toilet to go to the bathroom. Right? I know, but I can tell you the mental like brain energy I had to use to just do that was huge. And I remember getting to the point on my crossroad moment was, do I just give up on this or do I want to try and fight to get myself back moving? And not just moving, for me it was walking in, not just walking, it's like the next piece of, you know, being fit and healthy and at peak performance level, like that's where I love being and it's what I like functioning at. But I have to say, like it took a lot of mental mental toughness. If you read any stories of people who've been, you know, in serious accidents um, mm. and ended up, you know, paraplegic or any loss of movement in some way, it is often you know, things that go on in their mind that help them through those next steps. So it's that fortitude of pushing through that, you know, I want my life to be, you know, first you have to grieve whatever you've lost for this time. And then boy, did I do how that. To, huh? How are you going to? I said, boy, did I do that. I agree. Yeah, no, I totally. Really did. Yeah. I totally can imagine. I was for two years, I was in brain fog because the pain was so horrific. I couldn't even think. Yeah. So there was none of that. Like I was not at that point that I could even you could. even get myself to think like that. And I often wonder for those that are at that space. So my dream, my vision for my life was, and, and you know, I talk about drivers all the time. My drivers were way stronger than where I was at at that point. But I had to get my point to think of that and then just placing that as being really important. And one of my drivers was when I was at that crossroad, do I stay on here or do I try and fight to get out of this wheelchair and get a life outside of this? And there were some real strong drivers at that point. One of them was family. Okay, if I tell my kids, you can do, be, everything, but I'm not role modeling that then I can't say that. And then my kids are going to fail. And then they're not going to be doing like that. You know, like I went through this whole scenario, right? (laughs) And then the other side, which, you know, very strongly for me as well, is humanity. I was like, I know I'm meant to help change and, and be part of the change and make a difference. How can I do this if I'm stuck in bed? Uh, Oh, I could do it on the computer is what I said. And then I was like, yeah, but I could do it that way. Or, what if I could get out and be a part of all this and now we're stuck behind computers? It's so very funny. But, yeah. you know, like, and, and so that became a massive driver. And then the third thing was, okay, if this is all that life is and all I've done and gone through has ended up to be this, then why did I bother even living yesterday? And I thought if I'm to live tomorrow, I want to live the best today. And so that became the third massive driver for me so a lot of what I hear you saying is I thought yeah so it's all about what's going on in your mind so going I know you know me I'm kind of that person that would think that way because I don't want to settle I might grieve for a moment I might hurt for a moment I might sit in that for a moment but then it's like okay now I've got over myself on that what is the next piece I have to do to get myself moving not everyone can get to that point and I often wonder how can we help people to get to that point if that's not something, you know, I've had to work through challenges, right? You don't want everyone, not everyone to, has to go to, to, you know, horrific, to have no, horrible things happen in their lives. Like how, can they, that moment. how can they get to that spot without that so, horribleness? So I did hear, I mean, you, this is a pretty common mm. saying, but that once you hear something, you can't unhear it. It was very hard to unhear it. So oh, yes. we all get messages to live healthy and do this and do that. However, another marketing thing is that we need to hear things seven times before we really get to them. Is that a truth? I I don't know. 
I certainly think that we there's a combination of where we are in our lives and our development personally and the messages that are coming to us and how they're coming to us. And if the stars are all aligned at the right time and all these things. Wow, and when does that happen? That you might have heard like 10 years ago and then all of a sudden, oh, that's what, now I, and you fully get a deeper understanding or whatever of that thing. And maybe that's just where I am at the moment with the, the whole uh, neuroscience and things like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, reading that book, for example, those books, there's a couple of them by John Ratty. I think it was Go Wild I and I would Spark. change my last name if that was it. Pardon? You would do. I know. It's interesting. <laughs> R A C. No, because you know how they say words are so important. Ratty. It's like if I say I'm ratty, hey, I'm Miss Ratty. You would feel like really. Ratty. Ratty. Crazy. Anyway. I don't know. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Reading those books, and once I, because they're written well, like all written for me, they're written mm. well, and they're little stories in as well that come with it. It's kind of sunk into me, and I'm like, once you, and it's the same for me. I've got friends who are very big in Australia in the low carb, high fat world, and I've spent some time with them. And once they tell you the things, in a way that you understand them and it sinks into you, it's really hard to unlearn them. You can't just pretend that you didn't know that anymore. And so the next time you go to grab a chocolate bar or the next time you go to say, I think I'll miss that run this week or whatever, you're however you See, process I, I used to think like that. I used to think like what you were just saying there. And then I go, if that's the truth, then all we need to do is hear it. Yeah, but you know, but, you have, there's an understanding that has to happen. Oh, it's not just okay. the hearing. That was the bit about, you know, I've heard these some of these things from different people in different ways and the stars kind of need to align. So maybe you just need to, like if you're trying to educate the world, because to me it was like people just need to know that if they're moving and we're all supposed to move, like it, pretty much all of us are supposed to move. That's, that's the way our bodies are made. And if we don't, they get unhealthy. And plus, you know, obviously food is a part of that. So you feel like I just need to get that message across to people and if that means I have to do it in 10 different ways because everyone learns in a different way or absorbs things in a different way, they're in different stages in their lives, then so be it. So if your goal in this world is to educate people to be healthier mm-hmm. and you believe, I believe, that to do that you need to move and, and eat properly then the education needs to cross lots of different ways and it just needs to keep going. Like you, and I, the, Yeah, the I get that. I get that. But how many times? Come on. Come on. Here's an example. How many times do you hear some people say, I've got to lose weight, I've got to get healthy, years later they're still saying the same thing. So they've had different things tell them, educate them. For some people they will action on that and go, you know what? had enough of this, I don't like the fact that when I go to do my shoelaces, I can hardly breathe because I'm, you know, overweight. Yeah, correct. Hmm. Or, you know, I hate it that my kids can run around and I've got to be the slow one at the back hoping to catch up to see them have fun and hear their laughter. You know, like some people get to a point and they go, all right, I don't want to be at that point anymore. They can push beyond. I'm one of those people that you get me to a point and I'm like, this is enough and I will move to the next. But what I'm learning is that not everyone thinks like that. Not everyone can. So do you have any strategies around how, like if that's not your norm and it's not the thing that you're not self-motivated, I think that's one of the things too, or Mm self-disciplined. I think there's a lot to do with that. I think that there's a lot of people who work well in groups because they've got other people, they're accountable to other people. They've got people who are like, you know, there's thing called ego and I've said I'm going to do this. I don't want to let people down because if I do, then they're going to think I'm a loser kind of moment. Like seriously, I've really realized, you know, and particularly in the last little while as I've looked at a lot of patterns and behaviors and really like what we're looking at here on the decision table of being able to master the muscle of human intelligence. And then part of that is being able to use the information that we have, the data that we have, and then be able to use that to the most effective way to get the result that we want, right? 
And I, so I'm very curious all the time around those that really struggle to get these habits into place or to change things because maybe they haven't found the right diet or the right person to help them to get there or be a part of a group or like there's always excuses. And I go, I will find whatever it takes to get me to help to find that piece that I might need some support on. And I realized that you're not like everyone else. I know that, but this is why I'm trying to understand it, Michelle, because I think that we can think that it's sometimes when it's easier for us or we've got ways that we've learned to get to that point Mm. that everyone else should just understand that this is so important. Can you not see, you said it yourself, logically that this makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, not everyone does get to that point and not everyone does find that easy. So how are there strategies, are there things that we can do to help us to get to that point easier? I do actually think most right-thinking people will see the logic. You're so black and white. I think that I'd love to think and I'd love to agree with you on this. I really would. (laughs) I think... I think, uh, but I think you think you're so much more positive about the human thinking that would think right because I just know so many people have tried things and then given (laughs) up on it. I think the distinction is not whether they think that it's a good idea. I think, think, I think, I think. Um, right, you're thinking a lot. I, I do, I am. The you're a thinker. I think you couldn't really ask many people in the Western world. Is it healthy to eat a chocolate bar or an apple, for example? Most people would say eat an apple would be the healthy. No, they wouldn't anymore because now if you eat fruit, fruit's bad for you because it's full of sugar, even though it's natural sugar. Well, I actually have something to say about that, but I won't. Anyway, (laughs) I want to hear that after this bit. (laughs) Well, only a little bit to say about it. I do think that people, like that, that comes back to the education thing before. I think they know, but... We're talking about motivation, actually, like that. I don't know, are we? Is it enough? Like logically, I think people understand in general what a healthy life looks like and that they even might desire yeah. it. Yep. That adopting it. So if there's an awareness, own, they know it. Yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll agree with you on that yeah. one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so really what we're talking about is why don't they then do it? Like why don't, or yeah. even us. I mean, you and I would make choices probably quite often where we think, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, we all do it a little bit. And some of it is this, you know, ancient stuff that goes on in our head where it's got, it's, you know, in our subconscious, it's got nothing to do with our environment. It's got to do with, you know, the a wiring that was put in there thousands of years ago into, into our yeah. DNA that says, oh, it's comfortable. We need to stay comfortable and we need to make sure it's all that stuff we we're talking about before, the hibernating stuff. But, some people's drivers, like your drivers, are obviously very strong when you decide you want to do something. Others are not so strong because they yeah. haven't practiced it. Coming back to that human intelligent muscles. Ah, so that. So, mm. so to me, it's all about developing small habits. Yeah, you know, changing your habits slowly rather than if you're one of those people who hasn't been able to stick at something that you you know you want, you know you should mm. do, but you haven't been able to stick at it. Then it's those small habits, um, adopting them in your life and doing it slowly and not being too hard on yourself all of the time when you don't stick to it, but you just get back on the horse and you just keep moving. And maybe it's like we have this thing about mistakes and doing things wrong that it makes people, so when they do fall off the horse, they go on a diet. I hate the word diet anyway. It should be a change. Yeah, me too. It's like yeah. not a diet. Yeah. So they, they start an exercise program, which again mm. probably should be a lifestyle thing. We should probably treat that like the word diet too, the bad yeah. word. However, so they're, they're changing their lifestyle. Just mm. do it one little thing at a time. If you fall off that lifestyle wagon, whatever we want to call it, don't beat yourself up. Just get back on the horse tomorrow. You know, it's it's all about direction. And as it is, as we age and as we go through our lives, we do change what is important to us and, and why. I hadn't noticed that we changed. Really? <laughs> yeah. I keep in my brain, I still look like I did when I was, you know, that young Maybe teenager. Maybe we should stop doing these things where we can see ourselves. Because <laughs> <laughs> it would be very easy if I didn't. I couldn't see. That's right. 
don't look 19 anymore. <laughs> no, no, we don't. No, but I think it's funny because I do think perception really, uh, you know, we can talk to ourselves mm. and convince oh, oh, oh. ourselves that it's okay. If we just do this another day and not not move today or or not eat that healthy, you know, lifestyle kind of in our world, you know, if I just do that for a few days, I'll be good. I'll get back to it. And then before long, those few days turns into a few years and, and then there's other consequences to that. And I think I love what you said around, you know, it takes just the small little things. And I think particularly when it's not an easy thing or you're not a disciplined thing. And I, and I think that's why in some ways challenges are really good, like little step challenges for those mm-hmm. that need it. And then bigger steps for those that like stretching that. I think for all of us, we talk about the muscle. Well, muscle just doesn't turn into muscle because it's got the word muscle. You know what I mean? Like there's some work, there's some tension, right? <laughs> there's some stretch to it, right? And yeah. I think that that's, that's often something we want. We want to happen overnight, but it doesn't happen. And, you know, I think, you know, the other side of this is I think sometimes we're really good at doing that short, again, going into the short versus the long term, it's easy to do those quick challenges. It's easy to get, okay, I'm going to do this challenge. I'm going to do it. But it's then going when that challenge stops, how am I going to challenge or how am I going to put it into play as I continue to move forward? And I think that this is an interesting thing. And I think even when I look at leadership and we talk about the muscle of human intelligence and and it is. It's really a mastery of a muscle that we've been given, whether how we use that, what that looks like is all up to the individual as a person. And then imagine if we could do that well, how could we do that as a collective? You know, the world opens up with possibilities. <laughs> so awesome. But here's the thing. Like a muscle, I think that at times we're meant to work it harder. At times we are to take it to that next level so that it gets that push and then it becomes part of your lifestyle or your everyday way you do it. I also think that, and I saw this a lot last year, and I think that there's a, it's an interesting thing, but I think it needs to be talked about a lot more right now. And that is that we sometimes know how to work it hard. We don't know how to rest it or give it recovery. And I think that that's, you know, I I mean, I'm always getting told off from you, but, you know, and and I see that look across the screen and I'm feeling it right through my whole body right now, but exactly that moment. But I think, you know, and, and I know this because of my fitness years and fitness was that whole importance, you know, giving the muscle time to recover as well. And I've had to work out what that that balance looks like for me in pushing harder, in just being consistent, but then also giving recovery to the body. And I think that even in leadership, if we pull it back to that, that there's this real need for us as leaders to know how to refuel. So there's times when we need to move a lot. There's times when we need to push a bit harder. But I also think that there's times where we need to learn how do we refuel the tank so that we can then consistently keep going? Any thoughts around that? So many thoughts around that. I know. I thought you would. <laughs> but I think it's a big issue right now. And I think, you know, like last year, last year I yeah, saw a yeah. lot of leaders by the end of the year just absolutely shattered, myself included. So, so for me, as you know, one of my things I'm developing at the moment is mindful running which is really exercising in a mindful way, which means the things that are going on in your head. And, you know, when you said earlier you went for your walk and you did two calls and you did this and you did that, and I'm like, okay, slow down. Sometimes when you go for a walk. But it felt good though because I got to tick off those things. Yes, but that's And I got to do that. (laughs) Okay, that's true, but you're not allowing your mind to just be in the space. You're trying to solve things, you're having conversations, da, 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 da. so that it's also important yeah. to have some space where that's also happening, where you're not having to tick another thing off. You're not having a conversation, you're not trying to solve a problem, you're not 
doing anything, actually. In fact, you're deliberately trying to, trying to get your brain to just be, to look at, like you did actually mention, I got to see the sun, you know, all yeah. those sort of things. So these moments don't have to be, I'm sitting, you know, I did a four-hour meditation last year. Was it four hours? I think I told you. Oh. It was a long time. These moments could just be oh. like 30 seconds. Like you're just appreciating so, the sun and not having other things going on. You know me with my, my camera, my phone. One of the things I do is I I try to take photos, right? That, that moment of taking a photo. And that for me is just being in that moment, stopping for a second. And I like might be even on a meeting and I'll just go kind of quiet and I'm listening to them, but I'm actually taking a photo. <laughs> and it's because I just see something beautiful or I bring that actually into the meeting. So today I was on a meeting and, you know, there was some pretty full on stuff on it as well. And so I said, hey, guess what? I'm walking and the sun is just rising. I want to share it with you. And so it was like, and, you know, she said afterwards, she said, it was like you took me on this journey with you today. That's lovely. But it's true. I really love those moments, right? And that's why I love taking photos because it's like it snaps that moment. So I also wonder if a combination of a little bit of exercise, like this is in reference yeah. to last year where everybody was locked down and, yeah, you know, not such good space, being able to go outside, fresh air, take your shoes off, put your shoes in the grass. If you have the opportunity to have grass around you, and most people do. I mean, I know it's not always available if you're in big cities and things, but just just be in those spaces. I'm not talking about In the dirt? Whatever. It's it's fine. Grass feels better because it's growing because there's this life there. Not that there isn't life. Exactly. There might be spiders. There might be slugs, snails, (laughs) dirt. And then there's breath, of course. Which why, you know, why is grounding so important in that way? Like, why is it the feet? It goes on the right ground? back to it. Like, we've not evolved past <laughs> what we were. I've never known everyone. Wait on. I've never known Michelle to have no words. We're, we're, not evolved, we're not evolved beyond what we were before we went into the Industrial Revolution or whatever. And so we spent a lot of time outside. Our bodies, our it's all tied into the things around us. Whenever I go, you know, I go off hiking and yeah. camping and things a fair bit if I can and it in part so that I can be in the environment to actually to get up when the sun comes up to be aware of all of the animals like the birds and things we have obviously kangaroos and you know when I was on the yacht the other day and the sail like uh, all the dolphins and just to be aware of of the ebb and you do have a lot of wildlife because you live in Tasmania I but, do yeah. in a wilderness yeah. sort of area but it's just that ebb and flow of life. We are yeah. ultimately we are. We do we're part of what's going on outside these doors. We just happen mm-hmm. to put these doors up around us and stop us. We put a barrier between it, and so I think it's important that we, as regularly as possible, step into that because I think it, it does ground us and makes us feel a bit more um, alive, a bit more a part have of. Have a water. Going. Have a water. But also um, breathing is what I wanted to have a brief. But moment. I'm saying everyone have a water. Have a water. Look at her. She turns her eyes up. If like, you're just listening to this, not here. I was seeing it. Michelle just turned her eyes up at me when I said that. So breathe, ground, have water. That's my but advice. With have the water. breathing, I know we've had lots of giggles about it. <laughs> it's very important though. Well, because it's a, it's the a thing again with breathing. So here's yeah. the thing. I totally agree that we need to breathe. I totally agree that there are times you can feel it, right? <laughs> Where you literally can feel stress and if you breathe, you can get your body to a point that goes, huh, I feel much better now. I just find it really funny and I can question why some people need to hype themselves up to get themselves in a state to choose to breathe. So To me, me, that messes with my head. Breathing is the opposite. I'm not trying to hype myself up. I'm actually trying to slow myself Me down. too, and that's with me too. That's with me too. <laughs> and uh, I found, because I've started this running technique, which is all around heart rate, as you know, yeah. and in order to get my heart rate down, and not just slowing down, but to get my heart rate down, so not slowing my body down, but get my heart mm-hmm. rate down, I found there's a couple of different techniques, and breathing is one of them. So the breathing in and then sort of imagine it going to parts of your body or whatever. Okay, that, so that do it work. with us now. Do it with, with us now. <laughs> it's actually the breathing out. and It's got to be longer, right? Thinking relax as I breathe out. So, 
if you think when you breathe out. How do I think relax? Tell me that. That's one of the things I've noticed with breath. If you tie thoughts into it, the breath has Hmm. more impact in your body. So if you're breathing in and you take a deep breath and you imagine it going to different parts of your body, even like your toes, you can actually physically have Oh, I know that. I know that one. But I think that also means, here's the thing, I think that it also means you have to be aware of your body. Well, I think it helps. Everybody, again, it comes back into thoughts. It's accessible to everybody, if that makes sense. You just have to be aware and it does. you can practice these things without looking silly or telling anyone else you're doing it or whatever, any of those things, and yet they can be really helpful. It's awesome little tools you can take with you when you suddenly you can feel yourself getting anxious. Okay, well, do this moment with us. I want to do it. So I don't think I've ever done a guided breathing. (laughs) That's okay. There's a first time for everything. (laughs) So when I'm running, for example, and I need to get my heart rate back down because that's the part of the training I'm doing, then I will breathe in and imagine mm-hmm. my stomach filling up. Like, so that's a diaphragm sort of breathing and, and it going to all my extremities because I'm moving. I want everything to keep moving. Mm-hmm. And then I hold it for a couple of seconds, while I'm going to run, and then slowly allow it to go out and just think, relax and imagine every, like, all of my muscles relaxing if they're tense. And I find that brings my heart rate right down quite quickly. As yeah. a result, having that. And I'll often do that just before I go to bed, actually. That's the time because often I've been going so busy, my brain goes really busy, and then I find myself lying in bed going, Whew, my heart rate feels really fast right now. I need to like relax. And so I'll do that breathing then. That's exactly. And I kind of learned a lot of that. Because as a singer, like in my past life, it was one of those things that I may have done at one point in my life. You know, I had to learn how to use my diaphragm. And so we did breathing techniques as part of that. So it became kind of an interesting and, and, you know, the whole, even when you're in the fitness industry, like breathing in with the diaphragm and using that when you're doing muscle. So I've, uh, it's kind of been kind of a natural technique that I've used because of things that I've had to learn throughout the years. And I find that it puts you in a place where then you can be restful or not stressed or even though the brain might still be wanting to go 50 million miles an hour, you actually can go, oh, okay, this is all right, this is good. And it gets you in a space where you can sort of get to the next point. So, yes, breathing is really important. There was something, I was watching a video uh, the other day for a a, uh, neurobiologist. He was talking about some of that breathing like we did last year. It's actually, they've done some studies now to show that this particular method does give you more energy. So, So he was particularly speaking to entrepreneurial types who want to, you know, who are feeling a bit flat and yet they need to do a bit of work, a bit of creative work. And that Are was, you talking uh, about the breathing that goes and all that kind no, of stuff? Well, it wasn't as long as it was literally just – it was also related to some yoga thing. I can't remember all the details, but it was breathing in two sort of sharp breaths. Or was it – no, breathing out. Anyway, I can't really remember. But the, I, the thought was that you were getting rid of some of the – all of the carbon dioxide or whatever. So it actually had – there was a, a scientific reason why they – why that worked to give us a little bit more energy because it was getting rid of some of the carbon dioxide. It might have been breathing in really deep actually and then two short breaths out. Or So it was that last little one which got rid of the last little bit of carbon dioxide. Anyway, it was sounded very scientific. I thought, oh, that's pretty easy. Like So if, you, if you're having you know that middle of the afternoon slump because we all eat too much sugar or carbohydrates, mm. uh, <laughs> we've got these things going on, then that would be a quick way that you could get your, your brain back into work mode in a creative way but i see i find like to be honest if you just even go for a walk outside like uh, you know i've got like a veranda or whatever even if i do that and i do a few laps up and down there and look out and at the water and things like that then i'm ready to get back in or i always talk about curating spaces and i think you know sometimes i might just go and have a swim down at the pool and then I'm back and I can do hours after that. But I also know that some people, and again, it, 
It's interesting because I know there's a lot of research around doing sprints and so shorter spaces of time than longer spaces, but I'm actually the worst at doing that. Like I find that really, really difficult. Doing or is that just me crazy? Like, yeah, like it's like I just get into mm. something and now you're telling me go have a break. <laughs> like I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Like I'm in the middle of it and then I find it hard to get back in and out, in and out, in and out. I actually so really struggle. When you're in that, you know, working really hard for a length of time, mm. do you ever get to a point where you just get tired and it's like I, I just need to do something else now? Mm, not really. I kind of get to the, <laughs> I know because I time block, like I'm a massive time block, but those time blocks are not what research probably would show you do. Correct. They are long periods of time because time blocking for me works well. And so I'll go, what do I want to do in this time? Oh, I want to complete that particular task or that project, right? Or I need to get to this, this space and then I stop and I can move to the next piece. I don't want to stop until I finish that, reach that, and then I can walk away and I'm really ready to do the next piece or go and have a walk or do whatever I need to do to have that break in between. But I really, there's so much that I, I find it really hard, those people that do lots of sprints. And I know, you know, I've got people in my own world who do lots of sprints and, you know, that's the religious about it. It's gospel for them and, and they swear by it. Is it just that, I mean, we were all talking, we have been talking about us being our brains and our bodies being pretty much the same as they were however many years ago, That, but that doesn't mean that we aren't all a little Well, if you go well. back to that, if you go back to that, females actually were really hardworking females. Like we were physically doing a lot and moving a lot and we didn't do it in sprints. We did it as, you know, these robust females. Maybe it could be seen as a way to deal with the modern world. Like we have a, mm. a world full of interruptions and, and and our attention being pulled left, right and centre. Yeah, so is it constantly. more about the maybe fact that our just, attention? Yeah. So maybe that's what it is, that our attention, we can, we can only do these short little sprints of attention now because that's what we've become accustomed to. And so adopting things like the sprint. And, and here's the other thing, and I just think about that, is not only are we used to that, but it's also that overstimulation thing, right? Like mm. isn't that what happens well, when true. you want to be stimulated with the next piece that then stimulates you to do it? Well, and, and I think this goes back to the whole long-term, short-term thing too. If I think about that as patterns, like you are amazing. Like I, I can't even believe that you're about to, uh, which we'll talk about in a second, but the race that you're about to go into, like that, that nine and a half hours or whatever it is, like it's, that's crazy crap. Like that you would keep going for that period of time. Like I would kind of get bored, but then I'm like, if I'm listening to something, maybe I wouldn't. So I don't know, maybe, but here's, here's the thing. Like for me, as long as my, it's more about the time block is more about well, what is it that I need to get done in that point. I'm not going to get bored in there. I'm not going to get like distracted in there. I just need to get that task done because I actually really want that done and completed. So I'm not looking for the next stimulation to then distract me to get to something else. I'm very good at, at being compartmentalize and go this is what I'm working on right now and I know that's not something that everyone can do or likes doing or and and I wonder if that's where it comes in with the sprint thing so the the reason I bring that up is because I think that all these amazing little ins and outs of how we work what it functions really creates us as a human and I go we often put things in place thinking that we all function the same or we think the same or we do it the same and and we're so not like that. And I think no, we've no. really, you know, our conversation today has really you know, shown that we're not the same in the same way, you know. We're not the same. How's it And we're so not the same. Like you, you wear red all the time. I do no, not. No blood hair, really. Yeah. Yeah. But... <laughs> But there's funny things because we've got some similarities and in what we like and love and, and do. And yet the world functions a lot 
trying to tell us or put us in systems or I don't know. It feels like that sometimes. And I think, you know, movement's a bit like that too. Like movement's really important. And then we think that maybe the only way we can move is the gym or the only way we can do it is if we do it like this, an hour a day or whatever it is. And I think that we have to get back to what you were saying earlier, that it's those small, often the small things that become your lifestyle. And it's very individual, as you said. Yeah. And for it to become a part of your lifestyle, that it needs to be individual because what the way you live your life is different from the way I live my life. So Yeah, and you wouldn't want to live my life, right? No, I don't want to live your life. (laughs) And you don't want to live mine, so it works well. I don't know. I wouldn't mind being like the cool runner that you are. I'm pretty jealous of that. Like that's legendary. No, I. I, We got this on video. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This I have said. No, like I think that's pretty impressive. Tell us about the race you're you're working towards right now. Well, it's actually not a race. Well, no, sorry, it's not. I know that. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Yeah, I started with a group of some running coaches in the Netherlands recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, although I've been running pretty much all of my life, I wanted to. I want to run forever. That's I just want to be able to. I want to be able to run forever because to me, that's my that's my path to health and wellness in many ways. And I believe once you become a bit more physically fit, you make better decisions with the food. Like I don't always make great decisions with food, but you tend to because it. If you become physically fit and you enjoy it, I think that makes you. It filters down. You tend to make better yeah, choices. I agree. Anyway. So the the challenge is, and I haven't done a, a an ultra distance in about seven or eight years. So an ultra is anything over forty two kilometers. So the challenge is to run sixty kilometers. Wow! Um, at Easter time, so it's only seven, six and a half weeks away. I'm just looking at my yeah. training schedule, and I only decided to do that, say, maybe a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. So yeah. it's quite, it's not a very long period of time to train for that. And the training that we're doing is not normal training. It's based on your heart rate, as I said earlier, and the, that we don't run a long distance in our training. So we don't get worn out in the training because it's traditional marathon training. You run up to say 32 to 34 kilometers. Yeah. And then by the time of the race is actually there, you're already exhausted, right? You, yeah. Especially as we, we're called age group runners. <laughs> So oh, beyond, is that what they call you now? Beyond the 30s or age group in their 30s and on. Mm. Uh, age group runners, we tend to then get to the start line of your marathons or your longer distances and already carrying some kind of injuries and things because we've uh, yeah. run so far in our training. So mm. the idea is that you're running at, your, at a particular heart rate that's particular for you, which you do a little test to work out what that is, which keeps you running a bit slower, which is fine, which means you can run further. So Yeah. That's sort of the concept. Plus, you're not running as far in your training, so you're not wearing yourself out in that way. So, how many hours will it be when you do it? I did a 50k in 2013, and just over five and a half hours. Mm. Um, and I wasn't particularly—that's not particularly fast. I think I can probably do it inside of eight hours, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Will I still be able to talk to you while you're doing it? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> That's yeah, a long time running, for us not yeah. to talk. No, that's quite slow. So probably. <laughs> anyway, it's wow, in a new that's amazing. Well, so amazing. And I love, that's what I love about it. And I think that, you know, we're, we're going to finish up this conversation now. But, like, what I love about that is that I think that movement can be fun, that we can set challenges, we can, you know, and not get bored with movement. I think that that's really important and we've talked about that and, and that's why I'm setting new goal posts with what I'm doing right now as well. And I love hearing what you're doing on that and it inspires me to keep moving my goal posts a little bit further and, like, I don't like being beaten too much. So, you know. As you widen this gap, I need to narrow this gap between where you are at and where I'm. Not that I'm competitive at all. But my but, next one's 100K then. <laughs> girl, can you just give me a little bit more warning? Although, you know, if I keep going the way I did today, I, I could get there pretty pretty quickly. You'll be now. smashing That's it right. out, I reckon. But, um, you know, as I always do, what are you taking from our conversation today? That in order to reach more people with my message, which is that exercise is really important for us for long-term health, 
uh, need many ways to communicate this message. It's not just a one size fits all. Yeah. And I think it's easy to think that it is. And sometimes I think one of the things that's come strong out of our conversation and something that's sort of been brought to my attention lately, but I think I'm even more aware from it since our conversation is it's really easy to think, well, it's just let's do it this way because we know that's beneficial. But there's so many different variables that we often have to bring to the table and and I think you know and you've heard me say this so many times but like there's always a pathway to it and I think the same with movement I think the same with exercising the muscle of human intelligence there's always you know variables challenges things that might get thrown in the way but there's always a pathway to that what could that pathway look like and it makes me think sometimes those pathways, the step to the next pathway may just need to be a little bit smaller this time than last time to get to that point. And I think that's a good thing to keep being reminded of because, you know, when you play at a big space and in a big space, sometimes I need to be reminded. And the other one is to, you know, I think the importance of, you know, taking space to relax, to, you know, give recovery is really important as well. And I think, you know, your face always reminds me of how I need to keep bringing that to my attention. And, you know, <laughs> it's been brought to my attention again. And I know I need to keep thinking how do I bring that, maybe even those spaces that I do create because I actually do know the importance of it. The funny thing is I really do. Yeah. I maybe need to make those times a little bit longer in my world. It's just like maybe. A little just maybe. Around. Before, like the knowing it, but why don't we do it conversation? Yeah. Correct. <laughs> and so there we go. Hey, so we are finishing up because Nikhil is also wondering where we are because we oh, are no. meant to be on yeah. something right now. <laughs> and I just want to say, I know we want to do a challenge in the leaders movement. And I think we should get that challenge happening soon where you and I kind of get this rolling. When are we going to get that rolling? Oh, that's a very good question. Thank you for asking me that. <laughs> <laughs> next month? Oh, what we had it. No, the 22nd wow, of April. next month. Okay. 22nd of April. 22nd of April? Was, I think that was the date that Wow, we so not for a little while. Well, that's, I'm that's thinking of I'm thinking of doing, you know, so we talk That'll about mindset. So that's going to be the movement one. I've already started thinking about doing a mind more around the mental toughness and building, you know, we're all about collaborations and things like that and partnerships. And I'm thinking, how could I sort of do this little thing that it's, it's, you know, how I talk about we've got to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. So what would be one thing that we have to do today that's uncomfortable? That so a little challenge around that. So I'm thinking of doing that soon and releasing that. In a build-up, because I think the more we can be stronger in our brain, then so exercising the muscle of human intelligence, we've talked all about that this month and we'll continue till the end of the month. And that was kind of out of this that I thought a little challenge would be fun to do. So maybe we'll start doing that very, very soon and maybe even in the next couple of days and I'll put it up and we'll do that as the pre-build to the movement challenge that we'll yeah. put after that. What do you reckon? Yes, I think, I think I've said to people, if you want to follow me in the 60K, that would be great because yeah. then later on I can teach you how to get off. If I can do 60K, teach you how to get off the couch and just go around the block. Perfect. <laughs> so so that how, do they, how do they keep watching you and your journey? At the moment, it's just on my face, my personal Facebook. Just come Perfect. and find me. I'm very yeah. friendly. Yeah. <laughs> just look for the lady in red. There we go. Yeah, awesome. You've seen her. You've heard her. She's awesome. I love her in my world and I'm very grateful for you, Michelle. And this has been a great Thank conversation you. and, you know, we will all move more because we have listened today and we're going to take that and more people are going to walk around the block today. I hope and so. For those that want to join us on our challenges that we are going to be releasing, Come join us at the Leaders Movement. We're going to be there. Facebook group, is it? What's the Facebook group link? <laughs> Off the top of my head, it's like Facebook group. Okay, good. There you go. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Leaders Movement, something like that. <laughs> Nikhil says, Michelle is awesome. Nikhil, so are you. So are you, Michelle. And we are going to end this broadcast now. So right. what a great day on the decision table. 
always a bit of fun and uh, who knows where the conversation will go, but today we've had a good time. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Very soon. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.